Oh, yeah. We're coming back. Tony, what's up, man? It's the return of Brooklyn Paper Radio under a new broadcaster that's Schnepp's Broadcasting. That's right. And we're coming back next week. Yes. We are so excited to bring back our full show next week, packed with local news, interviews, and everything you need to know about Brooklyn. BQE closing, we're going to talk about it. The L train non-shutdown, we're going to talk about it. This, that, or the other thing, Tony, we are going to cover it. Something tells me we'll find something to talk about. And it's all brought to you by the amazing sponsor, Amita Care, healthcare that's going above and beyond for you. But this week, Tony... As a special present to our listeners, before we jump back in the regular saddle, we have a very special interview this week to, to announce the return of our show and the emergence of Schnepp's Broadcasting, and that is with our president and publisher, the Brooklyn-bred Victoria Schnepps Eunice, and her high school classmate, the one and only Honorable Judge Judy, also born and bred in Brooklyn. Well, without further ado, let's give them let's the interview. Let's let these powerful women take over. There's order in the studio. Hello. I'm with you. Oh, thank you. So <laughs> when I bought a new media company, we launched Schnepps Broadcasting today. And you are my very first Fabulous. guest on my new show called The Local. So we're starting in Brooklyn because, you know, I feel like I came home when I bought my Brooklyn Media papers. And now we're doing our radio broadcasting center, of course, our 8 million page views. So we're, we're, we're having some fun. How are you? How is Jerry? Everyone is fine. Everyone's terrific. We're in Los Angeles. I'm working this week. Okay. Well. Anyway, all the kids good? The kids are great. Josh is now my CEO, and he's in the room next door to us and is uh, helping us uh, keep our pieces of our wonderful 75 newspapers now together. And today to launch, you know, our Schnapps Broadcasting, what gets better than to have some time to talk to you about growing up in Brooklyn? And, uh, you know, being the star you are nationally, internationally, I think I was in India and I saw you on TV. So <laughs> it's a phenomenon. But it all started in Brooklyn. So I thought maybe you would share with me, you know, growing up in Brooklyn and the impact your father had on you to share with our readers how it all started. Okay. So how was it for you when you were growing up in Brooklyn, for you and your family? I think, I think Vicki, we grew up in the same kind of warm, loving a supportive family, a middle-class family. We lived in a neighborhood, and you knew all your neighbors. Your neighbors knew you. So it it was, in that respect, a village. Everybody knew you, what you were doing. If you were a little kid and you got into trouble, you knew that if your mother or father weren't there to see it, there was uh, Mrs. Schwartz down the road who was certainly there to see it. So you were involved with not only your neighborhood, but you were involved in school, you were involved in your temple. Um, it was it it was a closer community and we weren't tied together by machines as children are tied together now. You were in tie, you were the bonds were forged from personal interaction. So I think that when you ask that question how is it growing up in Brooklyn? My mind immediately jumps to how is it different today? Mm -hmm. And and I think that the personal and interfamilial relationships that we had as kids growing up in Brooklyn, and I'm sure the same was true in the Bronx 
and Queens in those days and Staten Island, perhaps not so much in Manhattan because it was more diverse. And I, I somehow think that when you lived in a private house rather than an apartment building, mm -hmm. um, you got to know your neighbors better. And we grew up in little enclaves, you know, that were very small private houses. But today, people are different. They communicate by, you know, sending a note, sending a text, sending an email. There's, <laughs> I did a case last week, and I used the word potsy. Mm. Do you remember the game Of course potsy? I remember the game potsy. Of course. <laughs> well. Explain it to our listeners. You know, we, we are Neanderthals <laughs> because the, my litigants certainly didn't understand it, and very nobody in the gallery in court understood the word potsy. But when I went in the back, one of my ex executive producers, who's younger than I am, said, of course I know what that is. It was when you took a piece of chalk and you created something on the sidewalk, and it was a game that you played, and, and the total cost of it was, you know, two cents for a piece <laughs> right. of chalk. Today, you have to spend a lot more to entertain children. You have Wii's and sticks and games and PlayStations. Children, children are much more involved than a piece of chalk or a Spalding ball. But that was our life there. It was a sweet, simple, supportive, nurturing way to grow up. And it gave you security. Don't you agree? Absolutely. I mean, I just know that our parents were such a cheerleaders for us too and I just knew that you and your dad had a special bond I mean how did that hold you strong through life and all the challenges you faced my father thought that I was the greatest thing since sliced bread mm -hmm. and I think that successful women very often have fathers who made them feel unique and special and I know when I was young, I never felt as if there was any profession or vocation that was out of bounds for me. My father thought I could do anything. Mm -hmm. My father made me feel as if I could be president of the United States if I really set my mind to it. Mm -hmm. He gave me that kind of confidence. And that's certainly the greatest gift that you can give any child which is a feeling of self-worth and confidence. Uh, I know that you had that. It gave you the ability to build uh, a publishing empire. I mean, that comes from, I don't know how much influence your mom had. I know my mom was the backbone of the family, but my father, for me, gave me the confidence that there was nothing I couldn't do. Well, I think for me, we, my mom used to dress me up as Queen Esther, and I'd stuck that I've always believed I'm a descendant of Queen Esther. So there's nothing <laughs> Queen Esther could ever do wrong, you know? Well, that's terrific. <laughs> that's, the poor men in my life, they've had a hard time living up to it. <laughs> that's all right. But that's, but that's a, a good feeling for a child to grow. Anyway, I was very, very fortunate. I had a warm and loving family, and... I try to encourage that with my kids and their kids, and I would hope their children's children, that 
giving a child a sense that there isn't anything that they are incapable of doing if they set their heart and mind to it and that you and a parent will be supportive of that, that's the greatest gift that you can give. I believe that from the bottom of my heart. And I think, you know, it's been the platform on which we were able to build our success. And what I love, too, are the books you've written, because I don't know how many times I quote you about people who have, what would Judge Judy say? How did that come around? And now I hear you have a website. <laughs> we, it's one of my we favorites. Did for a while. We did do that for several years, and it was sort of interesting. I would throw out a topic and ask people to comment on a thought or a topic. And people from all over the country, it was just an interesting way of gathering information. And, and giving advice. From, Come on, they need advice. For a couple of small books, mm-hmm. um, which I thought, you know, not big books, just little sort of how-tos. You know, what would Judy say? If your boyfriend wants to move in with you and you or you want to move in together, do you jointly sign a lease or only one of you sign a lease? Do you sign, do you take an apartment that you can only afford if you live together, or should you take an apartment that each one of you could live in independently should it not work out? You know, practical, don't, you know, if you're going, if somebody asks you for relative, asks you for money, it's the quickest way of ending a wonderful family relationship because once you ask for the money back, you will be have you'll have an enemy. Mm-hmm. The things that we know from common sense, having lived a long time, but very often young people and even older people sometimes get caught in traps that interfere with their daily enjoyment of life. Yes, I know. And you know, one of the big things for me has been to empower women by doing this power women in business, power women in the community. And is there any advice you would give to women who are looking to make their mark? Is there any advice that I would give to I mean, you've achieved such women. extraordinary success. I, and it didn't know, happen at once. I, I, you built it. You you built it you build it block by block and you can the only advice that I would give to all young women starting out is Try to define what it is that you do naturally and then figure out how you can make a living and be independent doing what you do naturally because then you'll enjoy work if it's, if it's not a struggle. And the worst mistake that I think that anyone could make, men or women, but it's historically been a, a mistake made by women, is to feel comfortable when you are reliant on someone else to support you. Mm. Because if that all too often creates a trap. So if I were to give my best piece of advice to women, it would be, if you want to be in power, you have to be in control of your own life. You don't have to be in control of everything, but you have to be in control of your own life. And that means financial independence. And that can only come about if you're able to support yourself and hopefully in something that you like to do. Well, I think, you know, I always believe that when you love what you do and you have a passion, you don't work a day in your life. 
And money comes. Exactly. It somehow follows when you're doing what you love. It comes through. So I think now are you the longest running a judge on TV and the most successful in the world? I well, <laughs> I love I it. I think we are. In fact, I think we. I think I am the longest running television judge. As far as the most successful in the world, I don't know. I let the world be the critic of that. But I can tell you, Vicky, that I am still having a good time. I'm in Los Angeles working. I still enjoy what I do. I've been fortunate enough to have three terrific careers, once as a practicing lawyer, once as a judge in the family court, and this new gig for the last 23 years, which wow. has given me untold pleasure uh, and comfort. So I consider myself a very lucky girl from Brooklyn. Well, I am thrilled to have you on the show as launching our new broadcasting center to bring people news of Brooklyn and the people who've made it happen uh, for them and their lives and for everybody else. Because I must tell you, Judy, you know what joy you bring well, to other people. And that's really what a great gift that is to be able to share that with other people who listen in every day and read your books. And I wish you much success. You, you've worked hard for it. You deserve it. And I know you're enjoying it. Please send my love to your family. I will. My love back to you. Great talking with you. See you, speak to you soon. Thank you. Bye.